Samsung's uh, quarterly earnings are out and their sales are falling flat. The S5 is not selling very well. Um, profits are down. Shipments are down. Uh, like big too. Like uh, pretty big. Like uh, pretty big drops. What do you think, Popey? Why is Samsung's sales falling through the floor on their Samsung lines of phones? Could it be that people now have that we've reached a, a saturation point of smartphones, and there's nothing revolutionary in smartphones that they're making. All they're doing is making them in different sizes. But look, at the, but look at the activation counts. The activation counts are still going up for every month. There's more Android activations than before. But people don't necessarily want gigantic, very expensive phones. They, they want a smartphone. And Samsung, do they have a, a range of low-end Android phones? They also have the same phone coming out every single year now, it seems like. Yeah, yeah, that's true. People got a little bored, maybe. And plus, TouchWiz has gotten a bad rap. And people still use their S4 and S3. They're still on contract, too. So, uh, I, I think it's cheaper Android phones. I think that's what it is. I think part of the problem is the yeah, same, pro- same problem yep. that uh, Windows PC manufacturers have had. Is that what's, cheaper on lock phone. Like, if, I, if, if it's all kind of the same thing, then why don't I just buy the cheapest one? Especially if I'm not savvy enough to know the difference between them. Speaking of phones, did y'all hear about the signage in GitHub getting pulled down? Yeah, what what happened there? It was something about the uh, Broadcom drivers, wasn't it? No, it was, Qual- it was Qualcomm, wasn't it? Qualcomm. Yeah, Qualcomm, that's what it was. There you go. And Qualcomm released a statement about that too, but I haven't read it yet. Yeah, uh, they, they, backed, they backed down and apologized. Well, it was like a huge pull down too, right? Like it was a massive DMCA takedown they did. So, yeah, I'm looking at it right now in Pharonix. Qualcomm has reversed his takedown notice and allowed up allowed the 100-plus Git repositories to reappear. Qualcomm came under pressure and likely took uh, at, look, looked at the reported files to realize they weren't all that confidential. In fact, they probably didn't have anything to do with them. Just all bits being like Android kernel source files and things from CyanogenMod. It was weird, too, because the files that they wanted to pull down were open-sourced ones, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they all had the uh, Linux Foundation comments up at the top. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the bogus thing about it. So, did you also hear that uh, now SoundCloud is allowing EMC to do uh, content ID on SoundCloud files and issue uh, essentially like the same YouTube notice system on SoundCloud now? Yeah, and if, if you protest it, you get told you're out of luck. And yeah, even if you got a pro, pro account, tough. So you got GitHub that take that has, that's, that's, has to do DMCA takedowns for code. You got YouTube and SoundCloud that have to do takedowns for copyright. Uh, this is this is sucking. SoundCloud has like mostly other people's audio on it, so it's kind of hard to not have, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, it consists pretty much like almost the entire thing. You could also see that if there's some d bag who uploads like an entire CD to his like his SoundCloud account or something like that. I mean, you could see there's a point there. Yeah, but, you know, people also do remixing and stuff like that, too. Yeah, and I just so, I guess we're kind of more familiar with it in the content sense, but this, is, to me, really seemed like here's a real-world, like, GitHub code now. Is, is the same thing's happening where it's probably the same same way it works with Content ID is there's uh, some third party that Qualcomm contracts with to go out and find violations of their intellectual property online right and then they uh, issue out they do the whole sh- they do the whole thing they probably have legal representation status they they issue the letter on behalf of Qualcomm and it, it, it's like there's a whole industry around this now 
And it, it now it applies to code too, I guess. When open source fights itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably a probably an open source Python script doing the scanning. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, ah, dang it! And they're doing it from their Chromebooks. Okay, okay. Now we're going to talk about the KDE thing in the show. Um, I'm saying nothing. Can can somebody? Okay, here's the thing. I I have I struggle with how to even phrase and talk about these things. Um, like here's why. Here, I'll, let me read this. Let me uh, let me just pick out. Here's the here's the opening paragraph to the announcement. So here's the headline on on KDE.org. KDE dash KDE ships release candidate of Plasma Five. The next paragraph says. KDE has today made available the candidate for the first release of Plasma 5, the next-generation desktop. This is, one, this is one last chance to test for bugs and check for, problem, for problems for the final release next week. Okay, so here's, here's where I get a little confused. KDE has today made available the candidate for the first release of Plasma 5, the next-generation desktop. See, but the problem is... is is so uh, KDE is the group in the community. Plasma Five is the product, the desktop. So, but then there's also something else that's KDE. I, I, I don't. There's like I don't know. I'm very. I'm kind of confused on like there's, there's a, a framework and then there's a plasma therapies. Right, right. So the frameworks are Q. No, they're K, are they? What are they called? K, are they? KF five frameworks, I think. KDE five. KDE, yeah, something. yeah. Right. Okay. So there's KDE five frameworks. Then there's Plasma five, and then there's KDE. Okay. So KDE is well, the next, group. Plasma. Right, right. Which is KDE five, basically, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you have KDE the community. You have KDE five, the next set of like underlying stuff, and then you have. KDE Plasma Desktop, or is it just Plasma? What's it called? Just just Plasma, plasma Five, desktop. just Plasma. Yeah. Okay, just Plasma. No KDE. It's very confusing for me for some reason. It should not be. Saigo, Saigo so posted a picture earlier today about it. I think I think it was Saigo, where it's like equating KDE to Microsoft, Plasma to Windows, and Five to Windows Seven. Well, it's you know it's interesting that he did that because. Um, my first thought was this feels a lot like how Microsoft names products, and this feels a lot like the same kind of confusion that I get when sometimes I'm trying to understand a Microsoft product line. And I also feel like that same confusion and how Microsoft titles their products also translates into their products. And interestingly enough, I feel that same way about KDE. So it's interesting that Aaron made that same comparison because in my mind, when I was trying to sort this out earlier, the first, the first thing that came to mind is, man, I feel like I'm reading something from Microsoft right now. Isn't that strange that... Uh... KDE, one of the desktops that is kind of heralded for being Windows-like, it's kind of confusing you like Windows does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Check, yeah, that, um, check that link in the okay, chat, Chris. Okay. It's got an Inga link, which makes it all perfectly clear. All right, okay. Yeah, sure. you should be able to get all that installed in Arch right now, but I tried to, and I could not for life with me get it to work. Yeah, I figure I'm going to wait a little bit. I'm, I'm, I've been trying out the new theme, so... Because you got to use like the KDE unstable repo and everything to do it all. Yeah, yeah. I just I, right now I've just been getting the new the next theme on top of KDE four, the latest, and that's that seems to be the safer bet. But I'm a little curious to try out the new hotness. I really am. Something about it, man. I can't. I just a new. I'm a fresh code hound. 
Like I just, it's like a pie in the window, and I just start. Well, I'm walking down the street. Pretty soon, the next thing you know, I'm stealing pies out of old ladies' windows, also known as unstable repos. Uh, okay, let me take a look at this imager, 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 imager. Now, only they could fix phonon. That would be awesome. <sighs> hey, there's Joss. Hey, Joss. Joss, join us in the uh, mumble room if you want. Uh, bang mumble to get the uh, server info. Okay, all right, so here you go. Here is the air inside go. KDE is not your desktop. All right, so KDE is the organization. Plasma Desktop is the product. And then 5 is the version. Makes sense, right? Very simple. And you got QT on top of that. So QT 5 now, too. Now, um, underneath that. Is it, is it irrational? Yeah. Is it ir- Okay. So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to say, like, you know, hey, maybe if... Uh, if this requires an infographic, maybe it's too complicated. <laughs> is that is that just me being dense? Because I honest I understand sometimes like I think I have like a bit of a disability or something and this stuff doesn't click for me. So I know I'm just maybe seeing this the wrong way. But no, I I feel the same way. I mean, I I looked at this and I was like, oh oh okay. Hey, where's <laughs> that then, link that you gave? And then there's a piss take at the bottom. Now go boot your Microsoft Start Mozilla and buy Adobe. Kind of you know. You're some kind of idiot if you don't understand that KDE is the organization and Plasma is the product. What kind of fool are you? I'm like, oh, all right then. I, I guess, and and um, you know, but it, did it? Okay, so back like in the in the uh, good old days, was it just straight up called KDE? And is that where the confusion come from? Is that back in the day it was just KDE? And then, well, yeah, because before there was a Plasma show, that was right. That was a- come about till KDE 4, so... So didn't they change the game rules on us? And they're like, hey, why don't you guys know the rules? Yeah, they're complicating the yeah, shit out of this. Before, yeah. it was just KDE 2 or KDE 3, whatever, and it was Plasma. That's all right. KDE I mean, they could be worse. They could be pulling a fedora and, like, changing their name and then changing their name back and then changing their name back to it but not, not meaning the same thing, so... so... Wasn't there also the whole KDE software collection and... Yeah. Malarkey, that... That confused me. I think that's still a thing. I know. I think that's a thing still. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show that says forget legalizing cannabis. Pizza vending machines powered by Linux are the real crop of our future. My name is Chris and Matt will be joining us a little bit. They're uh, working out his audio right now. And it's not only a hot day here in Washington. Let me tell you what. It is a special day. A magical day, if you will, a magical brownie day. Sans magical brownies. They've legalized cannabis here. And you think that's what I would be excited about, but no. I have discovered something called pizza vending machines. Go Google it. It's a real thing. Now, they don't run Linux yet. So I think what we need to do is start a community effort. Maybe we could crowdsource a platform for vending machines. It's going to need a resizable UI. So we'll have to talk about maybe what we're going to use there. Something for different pizza vending machine form factors is what I'm saying. Different architectures. Put all that in there. We'll get it out into the public. Then we'll send the proceeds to the different open source projects that needs funding. Huh? Chris just laid it out for you. You guys can take and run with it. I'm an idea guy. I'm putting that out there to the universe. Well, coming up on the show today, we got a few follow-up items, and news and email-wise, that I want to talk to you guys about, including some epic funding, some Civ 5 solutions, a little KDE and Plasma 5 talk, and then... We're going to do a community review of Chaos, K-A-O-S, a lean KDE distribution. We have a team now of folks that went through and kicked the tires on this thing. I've got it running in a VM. 
We'll talk about it there. We'll talk about it with them. See how it goes. Uh, and joining me, as always, is a fully stacked house. A great lineup of uh, mumble folks that are going to kick around the topics with us, including Joss, who we've joined us before on the Linux Action Show, although I believe he was uh, working with SUSE at the time of Novell. Joss, r- refresh my memory. Last time we had you, had, we had you on the show, were you working with OwnCloud yet? Uh, I'm pretty sure I wasn't yet um, because I only joined OwnCloud April 1st of this year. And I think it's been a while since I've been on the show. Well, I'm really glad you could be here today because a couple of things we're going to talk about are in your wheelhouse. So uh, I'll be deferring to your expertise as we get to that kind of stuff. And we'll get a little update from you and see what you've been up to in a bit too, okay? I'd be happy to help. All right. Now go back to the World Cup. All right. So uh, we'll get to our emails first. Uh, Ben S. wrote in. He says, hey, Chris and Matt. He said, hey, Ben, I love the show. I recently started a command line challenge of sorts. I wanted to see if I could live in the command line with no graphical desktop of any kind. I started about two days ago, and it's going really well. I use eLinks for my web browsing, Seamus for my music listening, and Vim for writing. The hardest part was getting my wireless set up. What do you guys think? Is it possible to work in a command line with no desktop? I thought about this for a minute for myself. Uh, and Mumble Room, I'd be really curious to know about you guys. I wonder, if it, could anybody in the Mumble Room live in the command line exclusively for two days? Anybody? Yes. Popey, come Without on. HTML? No. Popey. I lived in the command line for two months while my Debian SID system had an X, broken X server. All right, all right, heavens, all right. Holy smokes. All right, okay, we got to break this down. I want to start with Popey because I'm calling BS. Come on, Popey. You- <laughs> Do you know what? I bought a, a deck, a vintage deck, VT100, specifically to do this, to have it sat on my desk and be my main <laughs> machine so I could have some of that retro smell coming from the uh, the valves inside of that terminal. Well, and, yeah, I love the idea of a dedicated machine for it. I mean, I could see that. Uh, okay, all right. So, heavens, when you were doing this for a while – did you listen to podcasts? Did you uh, just randomly Google stuff? How did that work? What was that like? Well, I was using a command line audio player, and I was actually in my Gentoo compiling days at the time as well. So my second partition was on Gentoo, and that pretty much took up an entire two months of time while my Debian system was just kind of in maintenance. Wow. Uh, I, I don't know. I kind of fall down with Wimpy. It's uh, What do you think, Wimpy? Didn't, haven't we worked towards perfecting the computer interface and the graphical desktop and building in all these great video cards to get past this hassle? I think so. I mean, I, I was brought up on Unix systems in the late 80s and early 90s where this was your only option and we were craving for something better and now we've got something better so on your desktop use a desktop environment or a decent (laughs) tiling window manager to manage all of your terminals to your connections to your remote systems i do all of my development over ssh in the shell that's perfectly fine but why would you want to do that for your email and your web browsing and your podcasting and all the well, other stuff when there are better tools available mm-hmm. now well you say there are better tools but mutt is a fantastic email client <laughs> like I, I i actually miss when i used to use mutt before i started using gmail when i used mutt i missed those days because i was so fast with mutt i could really manage my email super fast and i already use irssi for my irc client so you know all i need is gnu screen 
screen or tmux and i've got two windows there one with my email one with my irc all i need is like a shell in another who needs a gui <laughs> i like the pine i kind of what do you, do you think riley uh you think it's possible in other words but not practical yeah so there's several coi tools that you could use in tty mode and you can use different tty sessions for each one like you can have wechat running in one tty you can have like mpd running in another and do stuff like that but it's just not practical to see an age unless you like trying to rebuild x or something yeah yeah that's kind of how I, that's kind of how i feel about it i look at it and i think boy yeah, i could if i didn't need to do podcasts if i didn't need to do media production if i didn't need to show web pages if i didn't have to edit video if i didn't have to play video or have to want to play video games maybe i don't know like i love the idea of having like a fully set up account on my digital ocean droplet that's ready to go like could could operate at any time as a full command line only environment but i wouldn't want to live just out of curiosity how do i sound over skype because i suspect that this is not an audio problem i think it's i think it's a mobile problem oh you sound good now matt much better you sound real good really good yeah wow you sound really good matt like normal. Yeah. Well, good job. Uh, you guys fixed it. So, good. Now Matt's joined us, I think. I think he's gone now. But he has it fixed, so he'll be back. Uh, anyways, I would like to know if you could survive on the command line. So let us know in the thread, in the subreddit, for uh, this episode of Linux Unplugged. And uh, let us know how it goes, Ben. Be sure you send in a follow-up if you ended up breaking, which I think you will. Uh, all right. Kernel Linux, open mic, Kernel Linux, open mic, Kernel Linux, open mic. Uh, all right, so I want to do a follow-up regarding my ButterFS stuff. I had uh, for, failed to mention during the Linux Action Show episode on ButterFS about recovering that and expanding and rec- reclaiming space and defragmenting. Samuel uh, tweeted me and said, sorry if, I already, if this was already mentioned to you, which it wasn't, uh, running defrag in general or recompressing on ButterFS will duplicate snapshots. So if you use ButterFS and you take snapshots, you need to be aware of that. And I, I failed to mention that because I never really have gotten into ButterFS snapshots, so it didn't really apply to me. That is a huge caveat because that could be a ma- – if you're trying to reclaim space and you have snap – well, first of all, if you're trying to reclaim space, maybe you should clean up your snapshots. But second thing is that's just a little gotcha that I wanted to make sure you guys knew about. Hey, uh, before we get into a couple of really great news items that just didn't make it into Linux Action Show this Sunday – uh, really exciting stuff for a, a super, super important open source project that we're big fans of here at the Jupiter Broadcasting Network. But first, I want to thank our first sponsor and a brand new sponsor to Linux Unplugged. You know, we had them on How to Linux and we decided to bench that for a bit so we could restructure it. But it's such, our next sponsor is so great for you guys that I said, hey, come over to Linux Unplugged. We'll work out the details. I want to make this offer available. And Linux Academy said, yeah, you bet. So here's what I want you to do. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash howto. They've got a summer of learning discount. They're going to take 33% off, so you're only going to pay $50 for the quarter. This is a service that's been built from the ground up by Linux enthusiasts and people who are educators working together on a system that allows you to do self-paced training. Go test yourself as you move along. They have seven-plus Linux distributions available for you to learn from. So you log in, you pick your course, you choose your Linux distribution. The courseware automatically adapts to the Linux distribution you choose. So not only is this awesome if you want to focus on a distro, but if you're also really familiar with one particular distro and want to just sort of brush up on how on how the other side lives, it can be extremely useful for that as well. And how cool is it that they'll adjust the course material for you? 
as you go along. They'll have step-by-step video courses. You can download those and listen to them offline. All of their material is available for you. All of the courseware is high quality. You can download and keep it for yourself. Test yourself, see where you're at, engage with the community, see what's worked for them. Take advantage also of the AWS training courses they have. Go over to linuxacademy.com slash howto. It's a limited time URL because I really said, it's like, you guys, this is such a great offer. We have to offer it to the Linux Unplugged folks. So we just made this kind of switch just the other day. So that's like an old school URL. If you want to be like a, a URL hipster, which I'm sure you do, right? Go use it, linuxacademy.com slash howto. You can also take a look at, some of the, look at some of their courses. They have the Linux Plus exam, Introduction to Linux on your desktop. The, uh, they also have different levels of the uh, Linux uh, LPIC exam. How to get a Linux job, Introduction to Android Development, Introduction to Python on Linux, OpenStack Essentials, Linux, for example, Novice to Pro, Introduction to VMware ESXi, Configuring Bind 9, Configuring Ubuntu NFS, Setting Up VNC, The LAMP Stack, Nagios, Learning RSync, Resolving the Heartbleed Bug, Samba 4 and Linux Client and Server. I just got an email about that today. All of that stuff is available right now, including brand new courses for AWS. You want to become a hybrid technologies expert on AWS? Boom. They've got a course for it. You want to be an AWS certified developer or an AWS certified sysops administrator? Boom. They've got a course for it. This is what I'm telling you. Linux Academy has got this covered. And what's super cool about Linux Academy is you're going through the courseware. If you get to a point in the lab where you need a server, they on the back end spin up the virtual infrastructure required for you to do that course automatically. This is amazing when you're, using, when you're doing an AWS course because you don't have to worry about the cost to Amazon. And one of the other things that I think is truly exceptional about them is they've got this whole system all set up where you can log in at any point and get a snapshot of exactly where you're at. And while you're a member, you can take any other course. And I I don't know how they do it, but they are adding content constantly. They're fleshing out the OpenStack stuff and the AWS stuff like crazy right now. This has never been a better time to go over there because they're giving you the discount for the entire summer. So go over to linuxacademy.com slash howto. Take your skill sets up just to the next level. Make yourself maybe a little more employable. Make yourself look a little better on that next review or charge a little more on that next contract. Get your skill set up. You know you have the ability. Get your skill set up there. You know you can do it, and you can do it when you have time. LinuxAcademy.com slash howto to get a 33% discount. And a really big thanks to Linux Academy for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. I've been using the service now since they were a sponsor on Coda Radio, and it's really great. They also have uh, team courses available, so if you're in a group and you guys want to work together, they have a system available for that too. It's really a neat service. LinuxAcademy.com slash howto. For a limited time, you can get the Summer of Learning discount. Okay, so Epic Games funded some Blender development, not just funded by a little bit. This actually makes Epic the second major game developer to fund Blender development, period. This is a huge contribution to the Blender project. They're, ma- they're majorly excited about it. Uh, they're technically, I think, now the number one sponsor in terms of dollar amount to the Blender project, which is awesome. And uh, other con- contributors include Valve. Uh, Valve backed back Blender earlier this year. I guess specifically, there's some like some export stuff that Blender or that the Epic team wants to see Blender work on. Uh, I don't know if anybody in the mumbroom knows any more about this, but. I think it's pretty interesting to see as some of these big game companies begin to move over to Linux and look at it as a viable market, they're kind of looking at some of this infrastructure project stuff that's it's not necessarily a video driver. It's not necessarily how the kernel handles a gamepad, but it's still pretty important to the gaming ecosystem, and they're making some investments. They're not like, uh, you know, they're not like, hey, let's just invent our own thing. Let's just, we'll come up with a way, and we'll create the way you should all be doing it. They're actually 
going to these existing, well-respected open source projects that have been established for years and, and not trying to like roll them, but just trying to work with them and contribute to them. And it's great to see now Epic jump on this too. Not to mention that they don't just do games. They also do a lot of movies as well. Uh, I think they did something with, uh, with the Curious Case of Benjamin Button. I'm not exactly for sure on that. Hmm. But, uh, you know, they do some awesome video graphics as well. Yeah, the Blender Project, uh, yes, very much so. It's, they're kind of all about that. I know. It's, it's really awesome. And so it's good to see. Yeah, in fact, I don't even know, I, I don't even know if gaming is, a, is a really a heavy focus for Blender um, outside of the context of just a, a few things like that, other than character models and stuff like that. Now, if they can have that quality of graphics inside games at 60 frames per second, then I would truly be in heaven. Oh, my gosh. The, the Blender gaming engine? Don't even, don't even make me dream, man. That's crazy. That's crazy. It'd be beautiful. I, I talked about uh, some audio issues I was having, I think it was uh, last week, on Linux Unplugged when we were talking about KD sound issues. And um, I managed to get them fixed. Turned out to be a config issue with uh, the default fragment size buffer in Pulse Audio. Changed the default value, which was way high, down to a, a, a millisecond setting of five. And now my Civ 5, which had choppy audio, plays flawlessly. So if you've had choppy audio in Civ 5 or XCOM Enemy Unknown, any of those games, I got a link in the show notes where you guys can go check that out and uh, see, how, see how I fixed it. Now, I, and this, is, this is the story I'm really glad Joss is here because uh, I, 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 don't, I, I have a hard time with with understanding the, the, the way the KD naming system works. And thankfully, we now have an infographic that uh, Aaron Saigo posted uh, recently that tells us how it works. So here it is, ladies and gentlemen. KDE, the project, is happy to announce that they have shipped the release candidate of Plasma 5. Now, this is the first release of Plasma 5, the next generation desktop. This is the last chance for you guys to test and file for bugs and check any problems before the release which is scheduled next week. So you have Plasma 5, the desktop component. Then you have KDE Next, a.k.a. KDE 5, sort of the architecture component. Uh, Joss, is there anything you want to jump in on here on this story? Are, are you trying it out? Are you, any insights here you can share with the group? Uh, do you have a link to that, um, that image? Because I'm kind of curious about it, because especially KDE Next is something I've never heard about. So that's kind of new to me, which <laughs> is rather odd. Okay. okay. I mean, there's, the idea behind the next thing that I do know is that the developers currently refer to an upcoming Plasma release as Plasma Next. But that is always referring to the upcoming Plasma release. So after Plasma 5.0 is out... Plasma 5.1 would be referred to as Plasma Next, which is like uh, uh, kind so of a code name, right, eternal code name mm-hmm. for the next release. And and so, and for example, if I have this timing right, uh, like for five, the 5.1 release is already scheduled for October 15th, a Tuesday, if things all go according to plan, if things work out the way the project wants them to. Okay, I hadn't seen that date yet. But um, and I actually thought it would be coming next month. So today, um, yeah, it's Tuesday, isn't it? So yep. it's last night actually. Last night we pushed out um, Framework Five, so KD Framework Five. That's basically taken our, where we took our old KD libraries, the KD platform, the KD libs, however you want to call it, and basically, well, divided it in two parts. 
One part we said, okay, this we're going to upstream to Qt. We brought it back into the toolkit, contributed it to the Qt project, uh, which now has an open governance, so we can actually contribute and work at it. And the other part, we basically cut in little pieces with clear dependencies. We worked on it, making a proper cross platform, etc., etc., uh, basically modularizing it, and that's frameworks. So we call it frameworks because there are multiple little pieces, each of them called a framework, that you can use in your applications, and they're explicitly targeting Qt developers. Okay all Qt developers and not just KDE developers. Because right, um, right. this was the main complaint about the old KDE, right? You install, you know, KDE as it used to be in the 3.5 and even in the 4 series, mm-hmm. and then you get all this stuff. Yeah. Well, we've solved that. Framework 5 means you just get what your application needs. Applications are smaller, leaner, more efficient, and a lot of it even went in Qt, so the whole thing got smaller quite a bit as well. So this is really a major release, and this is what Plasma is going to build on. And the idea was actually, I think, that Plasma initially would release this month, but because it was meant to build on frameworks, and frameworks got delayed by a month, the Plasma guys also had to delay by a month. And I think it'll come out next month, but that's a wild guess. And maybe the October date is correct, but... I thought we would go earlier than that, honestly. And and when uh, – th- so the way this is going to work is really most people probably won't see this ship in a distribution they're going to use until maybe 5.1 is actually out, right? I'm kind of hoping for that, honestly, because as um, uh, I wrote pretty clearly in, in, in I think the last time we released something from Plasma, it's – pretty good even for you know for a 5.0 release it's pretty good i mean it it's nothing compared to kd 4.0 right i mean absolutely nothing that was the first version of plasma we did and we were literally pushing technological boundaries everywhere we were pushing the graphics card uh, i mean OpenGL support on linux just sucked back then and we basically couldn't really properly do the stuff we tried to do we were pushing Qt. I mean, we're basically taking a new technology, the graphics view, you know, on which Plasma was built, and we were taking it to places where it really wasn't meant to go. Um, But now all that stuff is basically ready. What we're trying to do is pretty much these days what Qt is built for, right? And all the problems with Xorg and the OpenGL support have been mostly fixed. I mean, still everybody's looking forward to Wayland on the developer side. Sure, yeah, I bet. But, you know, a lot of the rough edges are out. In a matter of speaking, yes. In a matter of speaking, perhaps. But for normal, you know, for for the Plasma guys, Wayland is really something they look forward. So the first release, on one hand, I mean, it's a first release, okay? We've ported from Qt4 to Qt5. We ported from from Platform 4, as we used to call it, to Framework 5, which is brand new in itself. So, yeah, you will definitely bump into some rough edges here and there. But at the same time, we fixed a couple of really fundamental issues that were holding us back. And you couldn't place, I mean, a lot of people complain about the placement of things, you know, like it didn't look really right. Icons were just the wrong size. They weren't aligned properly. That was all because we simply couldn't get that done in Qt. And now we can. 
So you will notice on one hand rough edges, but you will also notice that we're finally building on something that can actually support what we're building. So it's the groundwork in the early days. So does that mean like uh, – it sounds like what you're trying to say very politely is don't judge it based – don't judge the looks in 5.0 and 5.1. No, certainly not. I mean there's a lot of work still being done on – you know, there's a lot that was done, but there's still a lot – done in the area of polish and also the looks i mean there's work on a new theme but honestly the implementation of the theme in the first version well to call it hackish is still a compliment i mean it's really (laughs) put together (laughs) like okay this kind of looks like what we want right but the way it's done is very suboptimal so certainly when it comes to looks it shows a direction right flatter cleaner less lines less icons less this and that that's the direction. That's clear. Yeah. But it's not a final look, not by a long shot. It sounds like you're pretty excited about it, though. Like it, it's. I am. <laughs> it's maybe a direction you've wanted to see things going for a while? Well, it's a direction. I think that's a big keyword here. Okay. Um, when, when we did KD 4.0, and I mean, that, that's quite a while ago, six years ago. Yeah. But I remember that. I mean, I worked a lot on the promo and in general, you know, on the whole uh yeah writing about it and everything and the cool thing about it was there was a very clear direction we were going somewhere and it was awesome right i mean we didn't know that our technology and the whole linux platform simply wouldn't be able to well carry us into this beautiful new world so to say (laughs) yeah so we were all very excited because we were really breaking a lot of technology barriers and I blogged about this a few times, you know, some of the things we did back then. I mean, when Plasma was designed, it was designed to basically convert different user interfaces with one technology, right? So you would be able to build, and we did, by the way, build prototypes of this. You would be able to build a widget that would run on a mobile phone and on a tablet and on a desktop and on a television screen, and it would have the same underlying code, just a very thin layer of UI work would be different. Huh? Today, you still see projects, yes. companies trying to build one user interface for all these devices. Surprise, it doesn't work. And you see other companies building completely different user interface for each device. While seven, eight years ago when we drafted this, we already did it right. Now, yeah, it didn't exactly work out that way, and that's a little frustrating maybe. Mm. But now we can actually do it because technology is there. So, yeah, you bet. I am excited, and a lot of us are excited about this. Well, I recommend that uh, if folks out there want to know more, uh, check out where Katie is going. Uh, Joss just uh, posted uh, part two a couple days ago. So uh, check that out. Yeah, let me share actually um, simply a link to my blog because I put a bunch of links yeah. in there that probably are all. I'll put them on IRC. I have no idea how to share in. Yeah, no, toss it in IRC. It's perfect. Too? I'll grab it. Let's see. Yeah. So this has links to an overview of Framework 5. It has a link to an article that I wrote for Linux.com why it is a big deal for free software because I think this is another thing we didn't get to. But I think Framework 5 is actually really a big deal because right now, uh, there are half a million Qt developers out there. And I mean, people developing software with Qt. And there are more people developing software with Qt than almost the total number of users of OpenSUSE and Fedora combined. Right. And that's a lot of people developing software with that. And frameworks 
basically brings them all in contact with open source, free software, open contributor process, you know, open governance. Basically, they can, if they want to, and they have the skills and knowledge, at least, you know, if you're a developer, you do, to get involved with free software. And I think that's really a big thing. Well, it sounds so, like it. It sounds like Frameworks is stepping in a direction to give uh, the development community a lot of confidence too. Like they're going to have maybe a little more, if they want, um, involvement. Yes, I mean, can you imagine if only one percent of those um, half a million developers decides to, I don't know, fix a couple of bugs in <laughs> yeah. Framework or add a few features? I mean, that will. <laughs> that will, I mean, come on, that's 5,000 people. That's just crazy. If that would happen, that would just turn everything around, right? That would basically bring um, more than, than increase the number of people doing GUI stuff on the Linux desktop. It will increase the number, well, from a few hundred in total to thousands. So, I mean, that's, that's order of magnitude. Joss, you've been around for a while. What do you think if you were to put, you know, your... Uh... Uh, uh, forecasters had on how long until you know Frameworks 5 has been out uh, Plasma Desktop has been out for a while how long until like it's at critical mass and it's actually making a palatable difference where people look back and go oh wow this has really taken off how far out is that do you think honestly I think there are two scenarios um, if if this direction stays and stays strong. And I think you needed to have a clear direction as a project. And honestly, KD, in my opinion, has been missing that in the last couple of years. Um, but if it stays in a, with a clear direction and gets people together and say, you know, uh, I mean, this doesn't look good, we need to fix it, and we're just going to fix it and not, you know, do something fancy somewhere else, right? Because this is the thing that you see a lot in free software. People yeah. love building big stuff. And you ask them, you know, I'm quoting Frank Carlitech actually here, um, my uh, the guy who started OwnCloud. He has very interesting opinions on this, also been on the board of KDE. You know, and he always says, you know, a lot of free software developers work like this. If you ask them for a house, they'll build you a skyscraper, take out the top and say, look, you know, here's a house, <laughs> right? And this is the thing you can't really do. If you care about the goal and getting something done, you can't do this. So this in my opinion, is one of the things that needs to change. It's changing a bit, but maybe not enough. Maybe, I don't know. If it does change, you know, by the way, Gnome, in my opinion, has gotten this one down, right? They have a very clear vision and they're implementing it. And what doesn't fit, they say no. They're a little extreme, in my opinion, in it. But, you know, if we can find a middle ground, then I think in a couple of years, you will really see a big difference. I mean, this can bring hundreds of people, maybe even an order of magnitude increase in people contributing to the KDE project. We already started on that road. And since we started with uh, frameworks and since we started with some changes in our government, uh, we recently did a manifesto, manifesto.kde.org. And since then, we had like seven, eight projects join us, including GCompre, which is downright a known project that decided to join KDE for you know bringing software to multiple platforms like android so if that continues that that could really make a huge difference but the other scenario is of course the bad one in which mm. we lose direction yeah and then well i mean kd will still be a cool project and it'll still continue but it'll be where it is today the linux desktop will be where it is today which is unfortunately pretty much irrelevant. It's cool for the people who use it, but let's be honest, what do we have? 0.7%? 
it's it's not you know, enough to move the general needle yet. Exactly, we haven't. And you know, to move the needle, we need to to really change a couple of things. And that's not just technology; that's also people. And on that side of things, I honestly don't know. As yeah. far as I'm concerned, this is a fifty-fifty thing. How much of uh, this is a question that kind of came from Heaven's Revenge? How much of uh, of a compatibility break is there between? Uh, the version four of uh, of KDE frameworks and whatever it's called there, and the new versions of all that stuff. Will will applications say designed for KDE four desktop work okay on the uh, Plasma five desktop? Um, I, I'm pretty sure there will be some quirks there. Honestly, uh, I think the best thing is if applications move, and I think the plan is to start moving soon for the uh, KDE applications. Uh, they are now on the three month release cycle. Uh, four months, actually. Uh, I'm not entirely sure, but I'm pretty sure they will start moving well before the end of the year. A couple of them have been ported already, and it's actually going pretty quick. I know that an initial port of Dolphin, the file manager, which is a pretty complex application when you think about it, uh, was done by someone not too familiar with the code in, I don't know, a few weeks. Okay. And there was not yeah yeah so it's not too bad. It's, uh... No no no. We have scripts that actually really do ninety nine percent of the work. So <laughs> I, love that. I think we will be able to basically you will be able to run a full framework five based desktop. You know with Plasma and the KDE applications all on Qt five. You know probably summer or the end of the year next year. Uh, I mean, some parts will take a little longer. I, I know the uh, people about KDE PIM. Um, they don't expect to move that quick. But honestly, if I see how many people have been joining development there in the last couple of months, I actually think they might be a little too negative about their roadmap, but we will see. Things might improve. Well, Joss, it's great having you join us. You're welcome to join us anytime and stick around for the whole show uh, and chime in on any topic we get to. We're actually going to do a review of uh, Chaos, K-A-O-S, here in a little bit, which is a very heavily designed KDE distribution. They've... Uh, They've really taken a heavy hand to customizing it and making it a very unique experience. So we're going to talk about that here in just a second. Before we move to that, I want to thank our next sponsor of the Linux Unplugged podcast, and that is DigitalOcean. Go over to DigitalOcean.com. Guess what? Brand new promo code. That's right. It's Unplugged July. And uh, when you use the promo code Unplugged July, you're going to get a $10 credit over at DigitalOcean. So what is DigitalOcean? My friend, I am glad you asked because you need to know. Did you know you can have a Linux server up in the cloud that you have root access to in just about 55 seconds? That's right. And pricing plans start only $5 per month for 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one blazing fast CPU, and a terabyte of transfer connected to Tier 1 data centers and Tier 1 bandwidth all over the world. In fact, DigitalOcean has data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, and Amsterdam. Their interface is simple. Their control panel is very intuitive and power. You're just going to replicate the control panel on a much wider scale using their straightforward API. And I think I've mentioned it before probably on the Unplug show, but one of the things I love the most, one of the things I love the most about DigitalOcean is this amazing dashboard. They have managed to somehow take the complexity of KVM and server provisioning and really global data center management, DNS management, backup management, application deployment, Docker image management, all of that, and wrapped it in an interface where you can spin up a brand new server in less than 55 seconds. They also have hourly pricing plans. If you use our promo code, UnplugJuly, that $10 credit will get you quite a distance 
on their hourly pricing plans. And one of the things that really stands out about DigitalOcean is they made an early investment in SSDs. They saw how this was going, and they realized if we could take the flexibility that using Linux and KVM gives us, match that up with incredibly performant disk I.O., then that, that increases our density. So we can host way more systems. The users get more performance out of their box because the CPUs aren't sitting around waiting for the disk I.O. You don't have to have these massive, expensive RAID arrays of spinning disks. SSDs deliver the performance of an entire array. And if we could somehow wrap it all up in a very straightforward package that's so easy that even if you're not a server administrator, you have no problem. You can provision in 55 seconds. You get amazing hardware without even having to think about it. They took all of that all out there, brought it together, wrapped it up so intelligently, so well done with a real vision and purpose. And now DigitalOcean is blowing up. Developers love DigitalOcean. Linux enthusiasts love DigitalOcean. But do they have a special promo code? Don't think so. Unplug July to get a $10 credit. Check it out. Some of the DigitalOcean locations also have private networking, which is great for a web backend. Maybe you want to have some front-end web servers access a back-end database server. And by the way, that private networking doesn't count against your bandwidth. And it's all just a fixed cost. $5 pricing plans go up from there, make a lot of sense, and you know exactly what you're going to get. Go over to DigitalOcean.com and use the promo code UnpluggedJuly when you check out to get that $10 credit and see what I've been talking about. DigitalOcean truly rocks. You guys will be really impressed what they can do. DigitalOcean.com. And a really big thanks to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged podcast. That's right. That's right. Unplugged July. Crack it open. Okay, so let's talk about chaos. K-O-S, K-A-O-S. I know we had a group of you in here that did the review. I'm really looking forward to see what you guys said about it. Uh, Rotten Corpse, do you want to kick it off and kind of uh, uh, kick, uh, introduce it, or do you want me to introduce what the distro is? I could do that, too, if you want. Um, well, I can, I can go ahead and give a quick introduction. Uh, Chaos is an Arch-based distro that is uh, based solely around KDE. Uh, I might be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure they have a very strict uh, requirement about the packages, as in if it's not KDE compatible, it's not allowed in their repo. Um, it's not installed by default. I think it's allowed in their repo because I know they have Chrome and a few other things in their repo. But yeah. Oh, no, Chrome's self-contained, so I think it's more in the sense that they they don't have... Uh, it's it's they don't re- completely restrict your ability oh, to use it, but they don't promote the right. use of so it. They they mentioned on their site in the repo they have Firefox thirty, Chrome thirty seven, Thunderbird twenty four, and Adore three point five. But right. that's about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 uh, Arch based, but it's not a, it's not like a derivative Arch. It's kind of like a its fork. own thing. Yeah. Yeah, and they, uh, they, they call themselves a tightly integrated rolling transparent distribution for the modern desktop built from scratch with a specific focus, KDE and QT. There's, uh, they also even come out right and say their target audience is desktop and operating system enthusiasts. You know, those desktop aholics we were talking about last week. Uh, they, don't, they don't consider this to be a new user distribution necessarily. They want it to be more of an enthusiast distribution. And uh, the latest version in June that just came out at the beginning of June uh, includes the non-free NVIDIA driver, KDE 4.13.2, Linux kernel 3.14.6, and I think there's also an update to 3.15 already, Uh, glib, of course, systemd, of course, uh, xorg server 151, uh, kwebkit 2.33, QT530, you know, the, the good stuff, all, all your regular stuff. It's a, it's a, it's a modern, up-to-date, just-as-of-June distribution. Uh, Rotten, where do you want to start? Well, I kind of want to know it. 
You want to start with Popey? All right. That's kind of what I was thinking, too, because I know we were, Popey kind of laid down a few hints last week. Oh, uh, but before we get to that, Wimpy, I, you want to touch on the philosophy? I'll give you a chance. Go ahead. Uh, well, I, yeah, I've, I've run it as well. I, uh, happy to chip in later. I was just going to say I really like that it's um, super focused. They've got a very clear uh, vision on this. One, one desktop, one architecture. Um, and they're being laser focused in that regard. And I also like very much that it's um, an arch um, derivative. Um, so in terms of the philosophy and what I read about it, I was uh, suitably impressed. Now, is it an arch derivative or is it just using Pac-Man? It, well, no, it is, it, it's their own version of arch. So whilst it shares a lot of the core architecture right. of arch and linux it, it, it is not in any way related to arch linux they've taken the tools and the packaging tools from arch and they've made their own distribution around it right okay so popey let's start with you uh what was your impression of the distribution where would you like to start on your journey with chaos so i i first of all tried it in a in a vm and then i stuck it on a usb stick and installed it on real hardware. I used a Intel-based Toshiba laptop that's about five years old. It's a Core 2 Duo with three gig of RAM. Um, and uh, it also has a touchscreen, um, but uh, I didn't really test that part of it. I, I did the, the install and, you know, it, when you say it's, it's aimed at, you know, desktop enthusiasts, I'm taking that to mean geeks. Like, you know, I would, I definitely would not give this to my mum. Uh, and I, I, I probably wouldn't give it to any new-ish user. It, it really is very, quite technical. Um, so some of the things I noticed, like for the install, for example, you mentioned the NVIDIA non-free driver. Like when you first boot up, you get the first option is like to boot into the installer. And the second option just says NVIDIA non-free mm-hmm. um, with no explanation. Of what, what is that? that? Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> what, what that's all about. At one point when I was booting, I got dropped to a like a boot colon blank screen prompt as if it couldn't find the Linux kernel, which I thought was a bit offensive. Um, I, I then got smacked in the face with... Um, uh, a box after the after the install was done. I mean, I did do the install, and you know it, it worked, but it's really ugly their installer, and I, I didn't enjoy that process at all. The all the bits and pieces on the screen didn't line up right, and it, it felt overcomplicated and too busy and typical KDE. Um, there was a, a box that popped up after I installed that said "Welcome to Chaos," and then it said in need of the password file or package list. And then there was like six buttons on the screen. Right. Yes. Yes. I was yes. Like, why, you know, why, why, why smack me in the face with that? It just seemed. A bit and the weird. package list, interestingly enough, is just a PDF that it, or, oh, I'm sorry. It's just a text file. It's a text file of just the install right. packages. Uh, and I'm sure to some technical users that might be, that might be useful, but that's not something I want when I've just installed. I don't know. It, it, and then I get onto the, the usual KDE annoyances that, you know, I don't know if these are KDE specific or plasma specific, but these, this is what chaos did. Most of the icons had no tooltip. So I had no idea what they were. Get bear in mind, I, I haven't used KDE for like five years and none of the icons were, were obvious what they were. I couldn't see an icon that looked like a web browser. I had to find something called Quapzilla, which I had never heard of. <laughs> Loads of weird dialogues. Um, applications that when i opened them they did nothing or they popped up multiple dialogues over the top of everything else and it i i just found it quite frustrating once i got past that and if i accept that as okay i could then install some applications and that was okay but 
I found it slightly frustrating. But once it was up, you know, suspend and restore works, update works. It, I can install applications and it seemed okay. So, What yeah. was your impression of uh, the look? So they've spent a lot of time working on this theme. It's it's one of the most unique looks of KD. Like they have this special menu that uh, is very he- heavily designed. Uh, did, it, did it work for you? Did it not? No, I, I think it's disgusting. I, 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 I absolutely don't like it at all. Uh, but then I don't really like KDE, so there you go. Well, uh, it's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna, it's gonna have a hard time pleasing me. Heaven's um, Revenge. I, did you, uh, did you have a chance to kick the tires? What did you think? Well, yes, I had enough chance to kick the tires, and then I broke it yesterday, Uh-oh. and I'm still actually trying to fix it. Well, how did it break? What, what happened? Oh, to give me the story. Uh, walk me, walk me through with, it. Well, something is wrong with Pac-Man. Even though I am an Arch <laughs> kind of guy, I love Arch, but it's going down the same road as Chakra, as in it does, it has forked and it is its own project, so it is not just a customization of Arch, it is a fork. I completely took away that uh, custom bar at the bottom, I put the normal kicker, or the normal Lancelot menu back. I kind of had to get used to Octopi, considering it's kind of weird. But their Pac-Man, the Pac-Man, like Pac-Man, mm-hmm. Pac-Man package manager, yeah. it has a very interesting progress bar. It's like a Pac-Man eating little dots as it goes across the yeah, screen. Yeah, which is a setting. I have that on my Archbox, too. It's fun. I've never, I've never seen it before, but I've seen that in this, and it seems quite custom the file system structure is all just pretty much like arch they didn't change too much of that i've missed too much of the aur i cannot access the aur even though they say it accesses the ccr but that's no screw it i also had a friend which is a well going to be a well he's dabbling in linux so i gave him a choice of three or four different linux distributions by putting a few virtual machines up and saying, here. What do you like? Do any of these, yeah, do any of these catch your eye? And the thing is, is that with Chaos, since it is a custom distro, all the packages are custom built for the actual distribution. That means there is no wine, there is no Windows emulation layer, and there's no Steam to act, or at least in the repos. You'd, if anything, oh. you'd have to go and get it manually. So he he needed wine. He wanted to play like N64 emulators that isn't available on the. So that was a showstopper for him. Yikes! I found the package or the Pac-Man log viewer to be quite interesting because I've never used Octopi before because I'm not much of a Manjaro fan. But you can kind of get used to the package manager. It is very user friendly, but the distribution <laughs> is not aimed at new users it's aimed at people who can break their system and like me is attempting to fix it again right right that is true it is kind of an odd mismatch and uh riley had a question i think probably for the group about 32-bit go ahead riley yeah according to the website they don't believe in 32-bit applications like they were saying in this modern day age of computers they refuse to have 32-bit applications on their system well, so that pretty much means that Steam will not be supported ever at all. Yeah, yeah. And gaming is pretty much out as a question. Yeah, and they they feel that so, to make it to make the perfect desktop, they have to target a specific um, platform. They, they, the way they phrase it is, they have to take it right, and that was kind of like we're not doing thirty two bit because we only want to think about sixty four bit. Was that kind of the reasoning? Yeah, that's what it sounded like to me when I read the website. It's unfortunate because I do believe in 64-bit, but our 32-bit past has still not completely left us. 
Mm, I agree. I agree. Wimpy, I think I'm on, I'm in sync with you. Uh, they call the distribution chaos, but what they're really striving for is sort of absolute control and uh, not maybe not necessarily control, but absolute. Um, it's exactly what they want it to be. It's exactly what they want to present. Do you pick that up too, Wimpy? Well, yeah. My my point is that. Um the, the tagline is a lean KDE distribution, which is an oxymoron since it juxtaposes lean and KDE, and oh, those geez. two things are contradictory. <laughs> um, and my, my experiences with it were, um, uh, when I first installed it, I installed it on, a, on some hardware that only had 768 meg of RAM, and the installer spits out a warning to tell you that the installer requires one and a half gig of RAM to run. Oh. And you can proceed if you like, oh. but you need to be fair warned that you need one and a half gig to install it. So that was my first, like, hmm, uh, really lean. I need one and a half gig of RAM. So Yeah, that's not so lean, I suppose. No. So anyway, I, I got over that one. I, I went to a machine with more memory and, and got through the installer. What was your impression of the installer? I've noticed like uh, the disk part the disk partitioner is pretty interesting, right? The way it really works is you launch off you hit the advanced button. If you have a drive that has no partitions, you you immediately have to go to the advanced button and then from there it launches K partition manager and then you partition out the drive the way you want. Then you go back into the installer, and then in, once you're in the installer, you have to flag these partitions where you want them to be mount point wise using a different application and flag them again to be formatted. Did you guys yeah. find that to be wonky? Exactly. I, didn't, I didn't have that. Yeah, I did. Because I, I was installing on a black... I, I DD'd zeros to the disk before I started, and, and that's exactly what I had. Yeah. I was a little bit... Um, well, it, to me, it wasn't obvious what I needed to do. There was no, right. no disk that I could select, and I clicked the advanced button, and then I was presented with KDE Partition Manager, and there's this whole disjointed partition the thing i may i may as well just been using fdisk at that point you, you really could that. you really could just use fdisk and then go back in here so yeah if you have a blank drive with no partition table you you get hit with this where you have to go into a separate partitioning program not uh not a huge deal um but it it's does partitioning on itself but there's there's a button that i can't remember where it is but that installer does do partitioning i partitioned my drive in the installer which was terrible buttons were grayed out for me if yeah i've got a disc with no with no uh partition uh like not even a table written yeah exactly you had partition tables yeah you have to do it mandrolically the other thing i noticed about the installer was the um well as as Popey said, it's it's very cluttered, but also the time zone selector is is a massive <laughs> gimmick. Yeah. And my and my notes say here is this why it requires one and a half gig of RAM. Yeah. For those of you that haven't installed it, you get like a Google Earth view of I, I the think world. It's, I think it's marble you. embedded, right? It's the KDE marble. Yeah. yeah. Rubbish. Yeah, it's, it's massively over-engineered for choosing a time zone. Yeah, it's. Yeah, it's they should have spent more time on the disk partitioner. It's kind of hard to manage too, and depending on your machine, uh, uh, it it can be pretty clunky. Now, I think that I think they get the benefit of it just being able to embed that because it's part of the you know, whole KDE desktop, and then, then they just take the coordinates that you click. Uh, once you get through the uh, once you get through the disk partitioner, you, you know you select that stuff there, you set your swap up. Uh, it's after that, it's the you know, the installer's pretty much done, right? I mean, it's then it just writes it to disk, and you're off to the races. Yeah, but the, the installer in itself is a bit strange because it doesn't install in a traditional sense. It copies the contents of the ISO image to the hard disk right. and then installs a bootloader. Right, yeah. So essentially exactly so you essentially exactly what you get in the live environment is what you get on the installed machine, which feels a little cluttered perhaps? 
well, not so much cluttered, but it doesn't feel right. Yeah, it's it's not. It doesn't feel like a quite like an installation. One area where uh, Integros sort of shines here, uh, you know, again coming from the arch roots, is you could have a three month old ISO of Integros and Integros, but when you install it, it is pulling down the absolute latest KDE or GNOME. It is pulling down the absolute latest kernel, and so it is super fresh packages that are being written to the disk. Uh, I don't necessarily. It, it, if you call yourself a rolling release, that would be nice, but you, that can mean different things. Um, and I'm not trying to be critical of the way Chaos does it because I also, on the one hand, really like the idea of somebody taking um, a really uh, kind of like Joss was talking about, you know, a direction with the, with a KDE desktop and saying this is our look. I think I kind of applaud them for saying we're only going to support 64 bit. I mean that eliminates a huge portion of the market, but they're okay with that. They've made that. They're obviously aware of that. And they've made that choice. And in some ways, I think that I think we need to see more KDE desktops where the people that are implementing it stop saying, we can do everything, and start saying, we're only going to do these things. And I think it's going to take years of doing that to make it really awesome. Isn't that yeah. kind of a contradiction to the KDE project, though? Because well, then they, they always want to do everything, which is a, a, you know, a double-edged sword. It's great and also a negative. Yeah, very true. Once, once it was installed, I found there were some odd, strange applications that didn't seem. It seemed like if they were going for real polish, they've chosen some odd things to throw in there, like apps that well, a don't work or do weird things or pop up strange dialogues. It seemed like that 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 once they got the installer done, it was a bunch of applications thrown in as well. Just you know, do you because think, they could. Do you think that's a QT bias? Where like, well, we only want to feature QT applications. Oh, my app, my install failed. Bummer. (laughs) (laughs) Darn it. Well, that's no good. (laughs) Well, there you go. (laughs) I don't know. That could be for a number of reasons. Who knows why that died, but there you go. The introduction or or the inclusion of Kubzilla is okay. It's a very unusual browser, but it's still WebKit-based, so it's good. And the one weird one is the appear.in website, which is an WebRTC Skype replacement bookmark. Oh, okay. Yeah, I see that. that. Okay, that may. I see how they did. I see what they did there. And then this. uh, There we go. Yeah, this this lunch is Quapzilla, Popey's favorite uh, browser of choice. Oops. Well, I did manage to find Chrome in their uh, in their package manager. Once I once I figured out how to actually launch it, as I bitched and moaned about last week, using their their menu, just searching for the word update or upgrade, couldn't find the update manager or whatever you know package management tool. Um, yes. It was under add remove programs, which seemed a bit bizarre to me. This is the only Linux distribution on which I was able to actually look at every single package and read every single one, except. From the PBI listing of the PCBSD when it first started making PBIs, that's when they were so little amount of them. Ah, uh, because they have such a limited amount that what a hum- one human can actually read through the whole list in a reasonable amount of time. I read all of the <laughs> yes, all of the packages in the repos. Okay, <laughs> that's an interesting benchmark. I like that. I've never thought of that. That is a metric. Uh, but uh, boy, interesting. So it doesn't sound like over. It, it doesn't sound like anybody's necessarily coming out with a recommendation. Anybody? Well, I I would say if you if you like KDE and you want a pure KDE um, desktop, then this might be an option. And if you if you're willing to forego the 32 bit stuff, you're missing Steam, Skype, Wine. You know. Some of the three annoyingly proprietary things that lots of people want, then yeah, it's it's and okay. Flash. And it works and and Flash, right? No Flash. 
Oh, who needs Flash? Steve Jobs told us years That's ago. That's true. We That's that. true. We don't need that. We don't need that Flash. Yeah, actually, to me, the all of those limit requirements are uh, completely irrelevant to me. So, chaos is a potential option. And uh, Wimpy, you wanted to say not lean. Yeah. So, <laughs> some some months ago, I did I did uh, I've mentioned this before some uh, resource uh, consumption benchmarks for Linux uh, desktop environments, and they were all conducted on Arch Linux. And I've got some scripts that automate those tests. So I thought, right, here we go. Let's see how oh, Chaos yeah. lives up to its lean its lean um, statements. So um, Chaos. Uh, uh, when I run my scripts, which is bring the system up, wait for all of the uh, auto-started ac- applications to execute and wait for disk I/O to settle, and then use psmem to gav- gather the the memory usage. Very nice. So so chaos uh, weighs in at three hundred and nineteen meg um, after first boot with no applications being launched, which is okay, but a full KDE four point thirteen point one on stock Arch under the same conditions, weighs in at 302 meg. Mm. So it's only 17 meg, but leaner. So it kind of raises the question, if the tagline is it's a lean KDE, but it's not as lean as the parent OS, they're kind of missing the target on that one. Well, Wimpy, I would say that it is quite lean in terms of CPU usage, as it is just as it is equally as efficient in CPU as Antergos is under GNOME or running GNOME, the GNOME desktop. It's a little bit like 100 megs more when it comes to RAM consumption, but the CPU usage, it's actually quite good. Hmm. I was surprised. It's been pretty robust for me as well. Mine's got an uptime of seven days on my laptop, um, and I've been updating it regularly and trying out various applications. So, you know, despite all the gripes and bitches and moans that I've said that I don't like KDE, you know, it, it's stable. If nothing else, it works, and the apps that, you know, that do work, work fairly well. Very good. I mean, that's – and if you want to see sort of an inspired KDE design, it's worth checking out from that standpoint, at least in a maybe a virtual box instance. Also for me, I've tried it before. It never really manages to quite grab me. I look at it and go, oh, yeah, I do see what they're trying to go for. Good for them. And then I kind of go about my day and I just use a more general purpose distribution. But I, I, I respect it. You can check it out at kaosx.us. Yeah, go ahead, Evan. Oh, well, I would say that it would be a good recommendation for anyone who is wanting to learn the Pac-Man package manager, but doesn't want the complete, I'm going to go balls deep in Arch and get way over my head. If if you can run Antergos, then sure, that's okay. Chaos is also another good alternative in order to just learn the Pac-Man package manager. Yeah, or, or Manjaro, or Chakra, so- or... I've had my chakra days back when it was first created and when it was first starting to fork. That's why I, when it went on that path of forking away from Arch, I now stay clear of any distribution that wants to fork from its parent. Yeah, I, that's kind of, I mean, yeah, boy, that's a whole, all right, we'll save that for, I think we actually want to do a future episode on that topic. Uh, I got a couple, uh, I got a couple of bits of business and we can do some more uh, closing thoughts on the review. So Mumble Room, compose your thoughts for a second. Uh, I, I, we have a couple announcements too that I want to cover real quick, but first, I want to thank the folks at Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Linux.ting.com. That'll take $25 off your first device. Linux.ting.com. Go own it! 
I mean, why not? It's they made they put Linux in the URL just for you guys. Now, what is Ting? Ting is mobile that makes sense. Six dollars a month. That's all you pay, and then it's just your usage. Ting takes your megabytes, your minutes, your message messages, adds them all up at the end of the month, whatever bucket you fall into. That's what you pay. Plus, no contract. Thus, no early termination fee. <laughs> what? I know. It's actually how mobile should work. Don't pay into some big old contract where they're trying to get a little off the top from you every single month. Just pay for what you use. And every Ting plan includes all of the things you'd want. you got your built-in hotspot and tethering. You just turn it on in the operating system and just pay for the usage. You don't have to be in a family share plan, I think is what my last telco called it. You don't have to be in any specific kind of plan to use the tethering feature that the vendor built into the operating system. You just turn it on and use it, you know, because you own the device. In fact, Ting's perfectly happy if you just want to use them as a mobile ISP or make phone calls all day long. And, of course, you can have multiple devices. It's just $6 per device. Fact, too, is if you have multiple devices, it's a great way to save money. It's a fantastic way because each device is only paying for your usage. So your heavy talkers just pay for their talk. But the folks like myself who don't use a lot of actual phone minutes, you don't end up paying for those people. It works so well. We have a couple of phones here for the Jupiter Broadcasting crew. And it's fantastic. It's a perfect fit for us. And there's no way we would have, there's no way any other value would work for us. It's perfect for us. But I think what really at the end of the day matters is it's super easy for us to manage and keep track of exactly where we're at. Ting matches their awesome online dashboard that gives you a clear indication of where your bill is. You can turn services on and off, deactivate, activate phones. Like I've bought several phones from Ting all through the dashboard. All activated, deactivated phones through them. I can set up call 40, my voicemail options. And if I ever get stuck, Ting has no hold customer support at 1-855-TING-FTW. Anytime between 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. and a real person answers the phone. They've also got help.ting.com and an awesome blog where they're posting stuff all the time to get you updated on what the Ting crew is up to, apps you might want to check out, ways to save money, all kinds of things, events, giveaways. They all have that at the Ting blog. Start by going to linux.ting.com. See what I'm talking about. Get that $25 credit. That paid for more than my first month. That gives you an idea of the kind of value you can get. And check out that savings calculator. Go to linux.ting.com. Click what would you save. Put your current bill in there. And here's a tip. Put what you're actually using right now, so the actual data, minutes, and text that you're sending, and look at the difference. For me, it's like $2,000 every two years. That's a new laptop every two years just by switching to Ting. Linux.ting.com. Linux.ting.com. And a really big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Love it. My mobile phone provider for well over a year now. Matt's too. Uh, So coming up in just a few short weeks, Oh, I wanted to mention too, we're going to do another community review. So if you'd like to be involved with that, go over to the show notes. We have a form you can fill out. If you want to be drafted to do one of our community reviews, we'd love to hear from you. So go to the show notes for Linux Unplugged. Scroll down towards the bottom. You'll see the Jupiter Colony review draft. And uh, just fill that out there. And uh, we'll be calling on more review guys. Uh, so And, and uh, Mumbroom, if you guys have more thoughts on chaos, save it for the uh, post show. We'll get to that in just a little bit. I wanted to just mention before we run, too, that I'm planning to go to OSCon in two weeks. I'll probably be there July 22nd to the 23rd if all scheduling goes as planned. OS Con 2014 runs from July 20th to tw- uh, the 24th, 2014 in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I'm going to be there for right dab, boom, in the middle of it if all of our timing works out. And I'd like to know if you're going to be there too. We could do a little meetup, maybe have some beers, eat some burgers, high five, fist bump, whatever you'd like to do. Talk about Linux. Just make sure you call it GNU slash Linux when you are talking to me in, in person. I don't care about it on the internet, but if you're talking to me in person, you better have GNU slash in that name. 
OSCon uh, coming up in two weeks. I'll be there July 22nd and 23rd if all goes as planned. I think the 23rd. It's all kind of up in the air, but I might finalize some of my plans depending on what I hear from you guys. So leave us a comment in the feedback thread if you're going to be there. And then last but not least, a little piece of business from the community. Uh, I'd love to get your own Runs Linux again. I've made a call out for these from time to time. I haven't made one in a while. I'd really like to get your Runs Linux. Now, I'd like to have a picture and even better, a video if possible. I know that's asking a lot. But we feature right at the beginning of the Linux Action Show every single week, so I'd like to give it a splash, make it nice, make it entertaining for the folks. And I'd love to get Communities Runs Linux. Could be your desktop, could be something a little more inventive than that. Whatever it is, here's how you do it. Uh, Take a picture, record a video if possible, and write up a brief description, and then send it into the show. You can go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, or if it's awesome, just submit it right to the Linux Action Show subreddit, and the community will vote it up so we can see that. If you do a video, which I would really, really, really love, if you do a video of your Runs Linux, upload it to YouTube and just give us the link. No, you don't have to send us a big video file. And that makes it a lot easier uh, to submit to the subreddit as well because then it previews the thumbnail and all that kind of stuff. So I'd love to get your Runs Linux. We're going to do Runs Linux from the people if I can get enough of these. So I'd like to get your guys' contributions and uh, see what you're doing with your Linux. It's not a faux show award show quite, but it's still kind of fun. And uh, last but not least, go check out Tech Talk today over at jupiterbroadcasting.com, our brand new technology talk show Monday through Thursday. How crazy is that? And you can also show up live for that as well and hang out with us. We love that. Man, that's a lot of stuff. So uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you think about those things. And join us next week. We do Linux Unplugged every single freaking Tuesday over at jupiterbroadcasting.com, 2 p.m. Pacific over at jblive.tv, jblive.info. And, of course, you can email us. Just go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click that contact link, or join us in the feedback thread or on the subreddit. We'd like to get it there, too. And don't forget about the review draft and OSCon. A lot of stuff I've asked for you guys, from you guys. It's a busy week for you. I hope you're prepared for all that homework. I, hope you, I think you can do it. I trust you. I think you can do it. We're coming up to episode 50 soon, so stay tuned. There might be a few surprises in the works, maybe even starting this week. You never know. All right, everyone. Well, thanks so much for tuning this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. Be sure you join us next Tuesday. And if we don't see you on Tuesday, we'll see you on Sunday for the Linux Action Show. we got a big show coming up. See you right back here next Tuesday. Mumble Room, thanks, you guys. Great review. Any closing thoughts on uh, Chaos now that we're in the uh, post-show? It sounds like Chaos was Chaos to install. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was yeah. about to say, when he said it was Oxymoron, I was like, it's actually kind of uh, you know, apt, you know, a great way to say that it's a little chaotic. So. Yeah, well, they're working on something, but it's just like with a small team and stuff. It's going to take a long time to get there. No, I heard chaos that is like the KDU project, always in flux and in chaos. Wow! It, I think it's it's wasted effort. Oh. <laughs>
I'm not going to do it, dude. I'm not going to do it. You can't get me. I'm not your... I think it's wasted effort. God dang it. Yeah. Look... <laughs> Uh, I like the review went well. Popey, I expected Popey to bring out the knives a little more and start stabbing, but uh, he kept it dialed well, in. That, well, I did that last week, and I got beaten <laughs> up on the uh, on the subreddit. Oh, Eric, how are you feeling? Yeah, you all right? I'm sorry. I, I just don't see the point when you don't include or allow 32-bit applications. That does not make any sense whatsoever for a user. Yeah, for it's because... Thirty-two bits sucks. Ah, oh, screw that! I yeah. actually like sixty-four. I don't want to do thirty-two bit. Give me uh, fucking two hundred fifty-six no. five twelve vectors. Still... The bigger, the better, baby. <laughs> there are still some socks that are thirty-two bit only. Give me a friggin' five, a friggin' five coprocessor or some shit. All right, Eric, All right. how are you doing? Did you survive? What, what what happened to you last night? Um. So my appendix decided it wanted to say "f you bye bye." Oh, oh. oh. Oh, heck, are you okay? Yeah. Yeah, I, well, I just got home from the hospital. Um, they did, They removed my appendix laparoscopically. Right now, I'm actually doing okay. Um, in a little pain from the incision, but otherwise I'm fine. Did it give you, you any you... good drug, drugs? Uh, dude, I got hydros. <laughs> yeah, that'll do, that'll do. <laughs> okay, so is anybody going to keep running chaos after today? No. No. No, I will no not. Chance. Yeah. Do we have? Do we already have? Some? My, oh, go ahead. My Bobby. biggest, my biggest problem with it was, uh, it, it, it is super focused and and very um, geared towards a specific set of applications, which is good, on the one hand, but on the other hand, it means that there's fewer packages available in the repositories compared to Arch, right? And that even includes some really useful command line, you know, shell utilities that you would just install because it's just part of your standard tool bag. And it was really frustrating to say, right, now I've got to go and find the source code for this because the AUR doesn't work properly. Um, and then you, you, you find yourself looking at it and you're thinking, well, Antergos's installer is far superior. They have KDE as an option. And then you've got the entire Arch package repository at your disposal after the fact. So why wouldn't you just go to Antergos and, and tweak the theming. Or if you don't want to use Arch, just use Chakra. Or there's another one called Frugalware, too, that's been on for quite a while. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. <clears throat> Frugalware's, yeah, I got, yeah. That's not so great either, if you run that recently. <laughs> I don't use Frugalware in forever. They've been around. So do we have, uh, do we already have an idea kicking around for the next distro we're going to do a community review of? I'm loving it. I think we should do another oh, one. What about Calculate? Well, it hasn't been officially decided on, no. So, okay, uh, we got a couple ideas, though. Yeah, we have some ideas. Okay, well, we should okay. announce it soon so people uh, can get on board. Can I, can I toss an idea into the hat? I've never run this distro, but I heard, sure. uh, I heard some friends review it a couple of months back. I think it's Semplis or Simplis. Simplis, yeah. Yeah, they really, they really raved about it. So if you want to pick one that might actually get some positive feedback, it might be worth, <laughs> might be worth tossing that in the hat. Hmm. I actually do like Simplis. Linux barbecue is another idea. I like that one. That's almost one I want to do. Yeah, we're going to need like six months to review that one. Though. <laughs> it's got like 80 window managers That's and true. desktops. All right. Well, I mean, That's Linux true. barbecue is actually kind of easy because it's more, it's more designed to be like a play, a, a distro to be played with, not necessarily actually be used. So they don't even want you to install it ever. So it, it could be easier in that sense. It definitely fills a need, though, because some of those tiling window managers I've never used, and I'm thinking, yeah, you know, yeah. one weekend I'm just going to fire but that up and have a good old play. 
they don't do anything to them, so it's just the default setup. So that's what the I next want. Next monad then. will be nothing. Right. That, that's that's what you want. That's the if you're going to learn learn these things, you need to start with a blank canvas and then you know figure out how they're how they're put together and, and what you can do with them. All right. So uh, chaos theory is our current leading title. You guys like chaos? Theory? I like that. That is chaos perfect. Theory. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Well, uh, that was fun. It's good to. It's interesting too to like hear your guys' thoughts on it because sometimes when I because I tried out chaos before, I think I made it a spotlight one time or something like that on last, and so I went through the installer once before and kicked the tires for a couple of hours, and I remember thinking a lot of the things that you guys thought. So it's interesting to I don't know validating is the right word, but it's like okay, yeah, that with that thing that bugged me also bugged three four other people, so. <laughs> It's like well, I'm not totally OCD. Maybe it gives you like a, a so it gives you like a disconnect, so it's not you bashing it as as well. well yeah, so, I'll, I'll play good cop. Sure. Chaos has been, hasn't been around for that long though. Have they? They only been around for a couple months. No, no, because yeah, back in the last year, I think. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I think I covered them almost six months ago or more. I can't remember, but we didn't do a full review. So, oh gosh, newer than that. Huh. It moves so fast. Yeah. All right, well, uh, all you jerks go back to watching your sports ball.